Amen. All right. Take your Bibles. Turn with me, please, over to Revelation chapter number two. Revelation chapter number two. When you find your place, if you'll stand with me, please. Revelation 2, verse number 1, if you're there, say amen. amen. Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Thou hast tried them which say they are apostles, and are not, and hast found them liars, and hast borne, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place. Except thou repent that this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. I want to preach on that thought in verse number four, on the importance of your first love. Lord, help us this morning. As we seek, Lord, to do your will, I pray for power and anointing, and I pray for God's people to be sober-minded and attentive and receptive to the message this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for standing. You can be seated. I had three or four different titles for this message, but I ended up just going with the importance of your first love. I've been thinking about these verses for a couple of days, and uh, of course, <clears throat> I, I don't know how many times this passage has been preached in this church. I know I've probably referred to it a dozen times or more. But every time I go back and I look at these verses, I am reminded of things that are important to God that unfortunately many times are not that important to us. When you look at the church at Ephesus and Jesus here is giving this message and John's writing it down on the Isle of Patmos. Jesus went to great lengths here to commend them in areas that, let's just be honest, quite impressive. They had a lot of positive traits, a lot of positive qualities. Traits and qualities and attributes that every New Testament church ought to have. We notice in verse number two, he says, I know thy works, talking about the church at Ephesus, and thy labor. I thought as I read that, so many churches today exist, sit on the side of the road, but let's just be honest, they're not doing much. There's not a lot of labor on the behalf of the church family, the members of the church Families in the church, not really involved, not really laboring, not really serving. But we could preach about that for about an hour. Where Jesus had one prayer request and it was for laborers. 
Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. We need more workers. We got a lot of church members. They're not really involved. They're not serving. Here at this church, we're blessed to have a good number of workers and volunteers. And I'm always so grateful. I'm humbled. In fact, I have to be careful not to use the word I'm proud in the wrong way. But I'm grateful. I'm thankful. I'm humbled for the workers that we have in this church, those that are busy serving the Lord. And we're nearing our, our goal of 20,000 door hanger bags to be placed out in this community. We're close. Brother Matt, where are you at? Where are we at? 15,000, a little over 15,000. 15,000 bags have been placed on gates and doors in this community. And they didn't get out of that box by themselves. Somebody had to do it. Somebody had to walk those sidewalks and put those out. And we could just go on and on talking about labor. But this church, the church of Ephesus, they were, they were laboring. That's a commendable thing. That's a good thing. The Bible tells us in verse number two, I know thy works, thy labor, and thy patience. We obviously uh, know from the scripture, especially James chapter number one, verse number four, Bible says, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Patience is a sign of maturity. Patience is a sign of spiritual growth. And um, this church had patience, and he commended them for their patience. I begin thinking about the patience that they had. Uh, no doubt they had patience uh, on God, waiting on God. We get impatient with God sometimes, don't we? We get impatient. We pray. We want God to answer that prayer right then. We pray. We want God to do something immediately, change our circumstances, our situation. I'm sure when it talks about their patience, they were patient with the Lord. Learn to wait on the Lord. It's a sign of maturity. I'd like to think they were patient with new converts and babes in Christ. And that's sometimes hard to do, but it's important that we give new converts and new Christians opportunities to grow. Let the Holy Spirit teach them and show them things that he's shown us. And let's be honest, we can't expect new converts to be where people have been saved 20, 30 years are. Though I'll have to admit, I've seen some new converts and I felt like they surpassed people that had been saved for 30 or 40 years. But we need to be patient with them, give them a chance to learn, give them a chance to grow. He commended them for their labor. He commended them for their patience. Then in verse number two, he says, and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. Well, that's good. That's a good thing. They didn't have a, 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 a high tolerance of sin. Well, that's, that excludes a lot of churches today. Can I get a witness? They was, they was, they was dogmatic about the, 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 the sin and the evil and those that were living contrary to the word of God. And they, the Bible says they could not bear it. That means they didn't put up with it. They weren't tolerant of it. That's a good thing. He's commending them for this. Thou, thou uh, hast, uh, thou hast uh, canst not bear them which are evil. That's a good thing. And then he went on and said in the next verse, and has tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and has found them liars. They tried. That word tried means they tested. They put to the test. The test, can I say, the test being the test of the word of God. That was, the, that was the, the test that they tried them by and tested them by, which tells me if they 
tried them that say they are apostles and are not and has found them to be liars, that means that they were doing something contrary to Scripture, contrary to the Word of God, and they stood with God over these false teachers and false apostles and false prophets. They, were, they tested them. They were not gullible. There's a lot of people today are very gullible when it comes to teachers and preachers just because they've got a web page, just because they've got a television program, just because they have a radio program, just because they have a YouTube channel, just because they have a following does not mean that they are of God. I'm amazed today at people that are supposed to have been saved for lengths of time and supposed to be grounded and how gullible they are and things that they swallow and people they follow and things they go along with. The Bible's very clear. That's not true. That's not right. It's false doctrine. And this church was commended because they were able to test and try they were able to put whatever up against the word of God and they, they were able to decide that these men that called themselves apostles were not they were liars. And by the way, there's a bunch of them out there. There's a bunch of liars out there. There's a lot of people out there professing to be, uh, of course, he's talking about apostles here, but to make an application, they profess to be sent by God. That's what an apostle means, sent by God. They were sent. They were commissioned by God. There's a lot of people today professing to be a mouthpiece of God, speaking on God's behalf. God never called. God's not in what they're doing and God didn't give them the message that they're preaching. If you don't know your Bible, you'll get caught up in that. You'll get sucked up in that. We need a church full of people that know how to try them that say they are apostles. Amen. That's why here we tell you when you come to church, bring your Bible. Open your Bible, follow in the word of God. Everything we teach, everything we preach, we do our very best to make sure that it is based on the Word of God. But if me or another preacher ever gets up here and says something contrary to Scripture, you go with Scripture, amen, that other that other's not true. This church was commended because they tried them which say they are apostles. 1 John 4, 1 said it like this. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many... False prophets are gone out into the world. That was way back yonder. We got a lot more of them today. Figured out, figured out how to get that, get that mantle, that cloak of clergy, if you will, and ease into that easy job, that money job, that, that job that lets them sit at the front of the table, the end of the table with all the big dogs and the politicians and whatnot. And they're a bunch of liars. Deceivers and false teachers and false prophets preaching false gospels and preaching heresy, damnable doctrines. This church was commended because they were able to try them that say they're apostles. And then it goes on and tells us in verse number three, and has born, and has born. That word born, B-O-R-N-E. That means they were able to carry the burden. They were able to get under the load. They were not afraid of the weight and the burdens that come with ministry and with church and the things of God. And there is a burden, by the way. I preached a message years ago on the, on the, um, the children of Levi, Kohath and Gershon and Merari, and how that they had to get under that burden and carry that tabernacle and carry all that furniture. And burden bearers, the Bible calls them. He's commending these in the church. Thou hast borne. You know how to get under a burden. You know how to carry a burden. You know how to 
how to get under the load and he commends them for that. Verse number three, and he mentions their patience yet again. You have to assume that he mentioning their patience twice, they must have been extremely patient people. He mentions it twice. He mentions it in verse two. He mentions it again in verse number three. And hast for my name's sake thou hast labored. He's talking about their labor again. They must have been very patient people and they must have been extremely busy people. Busy, laboring, ministering, serving. They were, they were doing all the things that the church was left here to do. Does everybody follow me? And he says, you did it for my name's sake. And that's not fainted. They were, they were commended for their stamina, their persistence. They were commended for their consistency. They were commended for serving and laboring for his name's sake and for not fainting. They wasn't a, they wasn't a, um, a group of people that would just work for a little while after a revival meeting for a week or two and then just kind of fizzle out. They wasn't a group of people that would go to the altar and make a commitment. I'm going in and get involved in ministry and work for a little while and then quit. These people were busy. They were laboring. They were patient. They were serving. They had some discernment. They knew their Bible and they did not faint. That's a pretty good group of people if you stop right there. Get to verse number four. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Because thou hast left thy first love. Boy, I read that about 15 times yesterday afternoon. And I thought to myself, how many of us would settle for a church like verse 2 and verse 3 and verse 4? How many of us would settle to be a part of a place, a church, that's got ministries and labor and patience and discernment and separates the false teachers from the Bible teachers and the Bible preachers and, and was able to serve and labor and not faint? How many of us would say, man, that's the kind of church I want to be in? And then you read verse number four where he said, nevertheless, I have someone against thee because thou hast left thy first love. And we would read verse four and say, well, I can live with that. I don't think any of us out loud would say it, but I think some of us by our life is doing it. Here's the thing. Jesus said, I can't handle it. In fact, stay with me now. Here's what Jesus said in verse number five. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, the fact that you've left your first love, I'm about this close to shutting the whole outfit down. Is that what he said? He says, he says, I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place. That candlestick, according to chapter number one, verse number 20, is talking about the church. Here's what he says. I'm not interested in all of your service and all of your patience and your discernment and your Bible knowledge and your stamina and your consistency. I'm not interested in any of that if you don't have the first love. He said, you need to get this problem about the first love fixed or I'm going to take the church away from you. Now, that's what Jesus said. That's pretty strong. 
What's crazy is even after he made that statement, in the very next verse, he goes back to commending them. And he says, I got to give it to you. I got I to gotta say, but this thou hast, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. And it hit me. Put your seatbelts on. Are you ready? They were known more for who they hated than they were for who they loved. Their hate of sin and the evil and the Nicolaitans was what defined them, not their love for Jesus. And Jesus said, I ain't going to get it. You hate the same things I hate. God said, I hate the deeds of Nicolaitans too. There's not a lot in the Bible about Nicolaitans that are mentioned twice in this chapter. Nicolaitans. Nico means to destroy. Laity is the people. So it was a movement or sect or group of people that whose doctrines and teachings was contrary to that of the Bible. That was, that was very harmful and hurtful to the church. We can say it like this. They were destroyers of the people. If you get down in the, free, in the chapter a little bit further, it gives a little bit more information in verse number 14 about the doctrines of Balaam who taught Balak to cast a stunning block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed unto idols and to commit fornication. Verse 15, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. There's some that believe that that's what they've taught. The bottom line is this. We have our own breed of Nicolaitans today. Can we agree on that? The group of people that teach and preach it's okay to do things that the Bible says is not okay. That is harmful to the church, harmful to the believer. It's contrary to what God said. And, 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 and Jesus said this. He said, I hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans too. You hate them? I, I hate the deeds. You, you will not bear and tolerate, put up with those that are evil. You're laborers. You're working. You're pursuing after the things of God in my name and you have not fainted and you've got patience and you will not put up with liars and false apostles. But if you don't get this first love problem fixed, I'm going to take the church away from you. You know what that tells me? That tells me it must be important. It has to be important. And I wondered how many of us, are, I said us, are guilty of doing all the right things for the wrong reason. We're not doing it out of a love for him. We're just doing it out of duty because that's what we're supposed to do. And Jesus said, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. I bled, I died for you. I shed my blood on the cross of Calvary and I saved your soul from hell. I gave you my word. I gave you the Holy Spirit. I gave you the church. And I just want you to love me. Like you did when you first got saved. I'm just curious, is anybody in here under conviction beside me? And he had a three-step, he had a three-step solution. You ready for this? This is deep, okay? Here's what he said. Number one, I want you to do. I want you to remember. I want you to remember. Look at verse number five. 
Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen. And I wondered, I wondered how many of us are guilty of falling out of love with Jesus. That's what he said. Where you were and where you are, you've fallen. Am I reading too much into this? Fell out of love. I want you to remember from whence thou art fallen. The relationship was here. The passion was here. The love was here. The sensitivity, sensitivity. You were so tender. The thought of me stirred your heart. My voice stirred your heart. The sound of my voice made everything else in the distance fall away. And like a newborn babe desires the sincere milk of the word, you were, you were hungry for a word from God. You were so eager. You couldn't get enough. It's like a baby has to eat every few hours. As a new convert, you was just looking for more truth and more light. And you just couldn't get enough preaching. You couldn't get enough Bible. Take it to work with you. Read it on your break. Read it at lunch. Read it before you go to bed. Get up in the morning and read it. You were growing. And I was working in your life. And I was changing you. And your light was shining bright and your neighbors and friends and co-workers, they could see a difference. Remember, remember, remember. And he said, now here's what else you need to do. I want you to repent. I want you to repent. This is deep this morning. I want you to change. That's what repent means. Change your heart, change your will, change your mind, change your emotion. This is not, I feel, I'm sorry, but this is a godly sorrow that bringeth about repentance. This is an understanding of exactly what it is that's taking place here. You were here. Your love was here. Your, your relationship with me was here. And you, you fail. It failed. It dropped. It's not what it was. I want you to remember from whence thou hast fallen and Repent. Here's what, here's what God laid on my heart when the, when the choir was singing. Because I wasn't even sure I was going to preach this when I got in the pulpit this morning. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I thought I would, but I wasn't 100% sure. But I thought about this. A lot of times people, when, when, when I preach messages like this, or when they're reminded of the, the coldness maybe or the, the deterioration in their love for God, their first response is, well, I need, I need to do something. I need to do something big for God to, 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 to tilt the scales back, get it back. I need, to, I need to do something big. I need to give more money or go visit some people. or I need to do something so I can tilt it back. That's not what he's asking for. And here's the verse God laid on my heart. I want you to keep your place right here. I'm going to come back in just a second. I want to show you something in Psalm 51. I want to show you something in Psalm 51 that I believe, I believe 
we'll go with what I'm preaching this morning. Psalm 51, this is a story where David has been confronted by Nathan for his sin. And here's what David prayed in Psalm 51 in his confession as he's trying to get right with God, get back restored, get it back like it was. He said, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Listen to what he says in verse number 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. David said, I got plenty of animals. I got plenty of cows in the barn. I got plenty of bulls and goats and oxen. I have plenty of sacrifices that I could make if that's what God was asking of me. But that's not what God is asking. Is everybody listening this morning? There's a lot of getting up and moving around. Everybody just sit still. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. He says, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart, O oh God, that wilt not despise. He said to the church at Ephesus, I want you to remember from whence thou art fallen and I want you to repent. I don't want you to throw me a, a bouquet of flowers. I don't want to take me out for supper. I don't want you to up your faith promise. I don't want you to go do something for me, paint a Sunday school room or cut the grass in the church. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to understand the seriousness of what you've done and I want you to repent and allow your hearts to be broken and contrite over the fact that somehow, some way, for whatever reason, our love for him went from here to here. Remember, repent. And then he says this, I just want you to return. I want you to return. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen, Revelation 2, 5, and repent and do the first works. You're laboring. Twice he talked about their labor. Labor in my name without fainting. Here's what I'd rather you do. Go back and do what you were doing when you first got saved. Go back and do what you were doing with the love for me that you had when you first got saved. And here's what God spoke to my heart about. I'm being brutally honest with y'all this morning. Because you're looking at somebody that's got about a list of things about that long that I want to do for God. I'm the only person I know that writes about three or four books at the same time. My heart is just constantly consumed with message preparation. I preached five times last week. I'll preach five times this week. Just study every waking minute. I'm studying. I'm getting up a message and praying for people, making phone calls, working on books, taking on missionaries. And I love it. I love what I do. I wouldn't trade places with nobody. I love where I'm at, Brother Brian, doing what God's called me to do. But God smote my heart last night and said, 
Is your love? Is your love right? Not, not are you busy? Are you serving? Are you working? Do you have discernment? Are you elevating truth, the word of God over false doctrine and heresy? Are you patient with me? Are you patient with others? I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you this. I've got something against you. God said, I got something. My heart seized up at the thought, Brother Tim, that God would have something against me. It bothered me this morning if one of y'all came up to me after the service of preacher, I got something against you. That would make my heart skip a beat. Would it, would, would it do you? If I came up to you after the service and I said that to you, I got something against you. Would, you, would that not get your attention? You better believe it would. Your heart would skip a beat. You're like, oh my goodness, what have I done? God's looking at the church and saying, I got something against you. And I wonder how many of us are concerned about that. And we get so busy serving and working and laboring. Cumbered, Jesus said. Martha, Mary. Cumbered. Cumbered. About with much serving. And he'll look at us and say, you don't love me like you used to. And that is enough. That's enough to tilt the scale. I'm going to take the church away from you. Except thou repent. Am I still in verse number five? Or else I will come unto thee quickly, quickly. Well, the Lord just showed me that, Brother Sasser. He's talking to a church twice. He commanded them for their patience. You know what he said? I'm getting impatient with you. Huh? I'm getting impatient with you. You need to get this fixed right now or I'm going to take the church away from you. And he says it again at the end of verse 5. Else you repent. Except you repent. They were known for who they hated. Here at Calvary Baptist Church, we, we're pretty vocal about what we hate. At least I am. Come on now. We know, everybody that knows us know where we stand. On everything. We could just put the list out, Brother Brent, and they could say, well, Brother Shiflet and Calvary Baptist Church, they're against that, and they're against that, and they're against that, and they don't like that, and they preach against that, and they're trying to teach their kids not to do that. And we go on down the list. Everybody knows what we hate. I don't think God's looking for a church in 2022 that's known for what they hate and who they hate. He's looking for a church that's known for loving Jesus. I wonder this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. Are you listening to the Holy Spirit this morning? Would you just listen to him this morning? Would you listen to him like you did when you first got saved and all he had to do was just point and you jumped and run in that direction? And the cares of this world and the philosophies of this world and the sins of this world and our weak flesh and our our. All of it is trying its best to cool that love, rob us of that love for him. I've already prayed. I've already got right with God. I've already asked God to forgive me 
for many times getting more concerned about the ministry and the work and not spending enough time at his feet loving him. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Take your time. We're not in a hurry. I didn't preach long. You got plenty of time. There may be somebody here this morning that would slip your hand up and say, Preacher, I'm not sure if I died right now, I'd go to heaven. I cannot say with 100% certainty that I'm a born-again, blood-bought child of God, and I want you to pray for me. Would you be honest enough this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, to slip your hand up, Preacher, pray for me. I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you slip your hand up so I can see it? I want to pray for you. Anybody anywhere, Preacher, pray for me. Anybody anywhere, there's a phone number on the screen if you're watching the services online. There's a phone number on the screen. If you'll call that, text that number. Say, I need to talk to somebody. Somebody will call you in just a few minutes with a Bible over the phone. Do what we can to help you. Do you remember 